0: Some time ago, I was in the sanctuary with two other people late on a, well, not late, but on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, It was about noon, and we were standing off to the side over here um, talking when all of a sudden the door swung open and in in bounds a three-year-old who was... Who was coming straight down the center aisle and made it about a quarter of the way in and then stopped and looked up. And, you know, the first thought that goes through your mind is, where's your mother? Um, or who, you know, who is this? And she took no notice of us, but a few seconds later, her mom does arrive and she sees us and greets us and then says, um, when I pick her up from preschool, she wants to come in here and see Jesus' cross. Most symbols of world religion suggest something positive, light or beauty, as it were, a six-pointed star, a crescent moon, a lotus. But the symbol of Christianity is an instrument of death, which prompts the question Why the cross? From the historical context of Jesus' life, you might point to Jewish religious leaders who wanted to be rid of a popular preacher, one who offended their religious sensibilities, threatened their temple practices, and condemned their spiritual leadership. Or you might point to the Roman Empire, which put down any challenge to its rule of law and military superiority. You could argue that Jesus' death on a cross was the result of jealousy, of religious cleansing, a response to an act of treason or insurrection. In other words, the claim that Jesus was God's Messiah and Israel's true king was not something the Jewish leaders nor the Rome's nor Rome's representative could tolerate. This line of thinking presumes the Jews or Romans or both, were responsible for Jesus' death. But what if the force or cause, but, but what if it was a force or cause wider and greater than either of these two groups? What if you and I had something to do with Jesus' death? And what if God had something to do with it as well? That is precisely how the New Testament presents it. The cross is God's answer to the problem of sin. Now, if that statement bothers you, then please tell me how you resolve our problems of evil, wrongdoing, violence, and death. According to the Bible, God made this world good and made us humans who live in it in his divine image. But when we decided we did not need God, nor want to live according to God's design or will, we sinned, we broke faith with God. It was like we walked through a door that closed behind us and there was no handle on our side with which to return. But what we could not do, God did. God unfolded a plan to make it possible for our return. The Apostle Paul described it as an act of reconciliation or atonement. The same word means both. This is an act whereby two conflicting parts or parties are united or at one. Sin caused a separation and a divide, but the cross bridged it. Sin bred enmity, the cross brought peace. Sin broke fellowship, the cross restored it. Paul makes it clear in 2 Corinthians 5 where this reconciliation comes from. God is its author and Christ its agent. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. All that was achieved through the death of Jesus on the cross had its origin in the mind and heart of God. Now, some might object to this understanding of the cross because of what it says about us and what it says about God. We don't like the notion that we're responsible for the death of Jesus. Most of us prefer a self-help approach to life's problems. Even people who have a religious orientation follow what some refer to as the moral improvement option, the way of relating to God and qualifying for heaven is by leading a good life. But the New Testament teaches the opposite. You can't buy God off or merit God's favor. Forgiveness is required, and redemptive love always includes costly suffering. Perhaps you recall the names Charles Darnay and Sidney Carton. They had two things in common. They looked alike and they both loved the same woman. That spells trouble. But Lucy Manette married Charles, and together they had a child and what promised to be a blessed life. However, it was the time of the French Revolution, and Charles, who was a French aristocrat, had been arrested, imprisoned, and was sentenced to die by guillotine. Sydney, who is English, visits Charles the night before he is to be executed, and offers to exchange places with him. When Charles refuses, as Sidney expected, Sidney drugs him and has him smuggled away into a waiting carriage. Charles and his family escape to England, and Sidney takes his place. It is a story of sacrificial love, a narrative of two two lives intertwined and a tale of two cities. All such stories of redemptive love and costly suffering have their origin in the gospel. The story of Jesus sacrificing his life in exchange for ours. In effect, what Paul says is the most compelling argument for the truth of Christian faith. The historical fact of a crucified Messiah. So scandalous and counter to our religious uh, sensibilities and imagination that Paul says it was a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Greeks. An image so offensive and painful that it offends both religious and non-religious people alike. The importance of the cross foretold in Hebrew scriptures is reiterated by New Testament writers that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Famed poet W.H. Auden called this the great exchange. Or as Paul wrote, God made him to be sin who knew no sin that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ's sinlessness is exchanged for our sin. His righteousness for our righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. The cross says that the one person who did not deserve to be crucified is the one who was. And the ones who weren't who should have been are us. Many of us flinch to hear the necessity of blood sacrifice to redeem life. And we've long heard the association with such an image and language of God's wrath needing to be satisfied. But we have the wrong idea if we think wrath is like human anger. Wrath is not referring to an emotion It's not as if God is angry and must be appeased in order to change his opinion of us. Wrath, rather, is God's execution of justice in a world gone wrong. It is God setting things right which have been wrong for too long. We also misunderstand God if we think Jesus was a victim in his death as if his execution was something that could not be prevented. Instead, Jesus' execution is evidence of our humanity at its worst and God at his best. God incarnate in Jesus comes to us proclaiming love, compassion, justice, and peace and we accusing him falsely put him to death but god responds to our evil with good the cross is god's no to our human history our human story of of violence suffering and evil the cross is god's answer that this will not continue that this will not be how our story ends, that evil, sin, and death will not prevail. The cross is God's yes to a new history, a new kingdom, a new creation. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The cross demonstrates God's love because the father so loved the world he gave his son. If you see this as some sort of divine child abuse, then you fail to understand that Jesus Christ himself is God. So God did not inflict pain on someone else, but rather bore all the pain, all the violence, all the evil of this world into himself. He absorbed it all. John Stott in his book, The Cross of Christ, sums it up this way. The essence of sin is we human beings substitute ourselves for God. While the essence of salvation is God substituting Himself for us, we put ourselves where only God deserves to be, and God puts Himself where we deserve to be. For the love of God made evident in the cross to have its effect. It must be redemptive. The cross shows us love in action. God doing what is necessary to provide for our salvation. And only because it is that kind of love does it have the power to win us back to God.